Well, good morning. Well, it's great to be here with all of you today. Uh, we've got a powerful text to study uh, this morning in First Peter. I'm looking forward to our time. Uh, it's a very practical text, uh, but I'm just going to tell you right now, um, it's not one of those texts where you can just kind of sit back, listen, and then go on with your day. It's going to call you to action. Okay, so if you're hoping just for a relaxful morning, um, you're not going to have that this morning. Um, but before we dive in, uh, may I just say once again, uh, to all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. Um, we are so grateful for you. Um, we praise God for you. And a lot of us here um, who are faithfully walking with the Lord, we're faithfully walking with the Lord, uh, namely because of God's grace, uh, but also because of a godly mama. Amen. Um, and I praise God for my mom. Uh, she taught me how to worship. Uh, she showed me why amazing grace is so amazing. And her faithful prayers for her son over the years were not in vain. So I praise God for my mom. And now I'm married to an amazing woman uh, who does the same thing for my kids. Uh, She loves our kids with an incredible passion. Not perfectly, but faithfully. And she's raising our girls to be strong, independent, godly. Um, And I praise God for my wife. And it's so comforting as a husband to know that. And I know a lot of you husbands uh, feel the same way. And I have the luxury of getting to tell my wife that publicly in front of all of you. Um, But my prayer for all you husbands that have a wife and you know she's a godly mama, you need to tell her today that you're proud of her, that you love her, and you're grateful for her. And for all you children, don't you forget, you you call your mom, okay? You tell your mom who's right next to you, and you tell her how much she means to you. Um, But I also realize, as Pastor Gordon prayed earlier, um, that days like today can also be painful for some. Uh, Because for some of you, it's a reminder of what you don't yet have. Uh, Some of you would love to have a child, uh, but for whatever reason, God hasn't granted that desire. And that's something that resonates with me. My wife and I relate to that, as does Pastor Roger and a bunch of pastors here on staff. Um, That's actually why my wife and I landed here at Wayside. We were going through infertility. And then I remembered sitting out there in the pews and listening to Pastor Roger talk about his infertility story. My wife and I were just crying in the back. And on days like today, um, we grieved a lot as we tried to trust God uh, with his plans for our life. And I know a lot of you may feel the same way. And then for some of you, this day is a reminder of loss. Uh, Maybe your mom is no longer around, or maybe she is around, but she was never the mom that she could have been. Um, For others of you, you've lost a child. And so this day reminds you of all those painful emotions once again. And so I realize that days like today, Mother's Day, uh, bring with it so many different types of emotions. There's joy, there's gratitude, there's pain, there's grief, there's fatigue. But as one of the pastors at this church, uh, let me just tell all you moms out there that we love you. But more importantly, God loves you and he sees you and he's with you. So trust him. Well, before we jump into the text, would you bow with me and let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for this time. And I pray that as we get into your word in 1 Peter 4, that it would do a work on our hearts. I can't accomplish that on my own. And so, God, I am begging you to come alongside me to communicate your word in a way that would bring you glory. And so, Father, have your way. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, so if you want to open your Bibles, um, we're going to be in verses 10 and 11 this morning. 
And really, this passage is one of the most succinct passages in the New Testament um, on spiritual gifts. This will not be uh, an exhaustive study on spiritual gifts this morning, but hopefully as a result of this, um, this sermon, you're going to be motivated to, to do a personal study. And so there's other passages in the Bible that are going to elaborate what I'm going to talk about today. Um, and those are Romans 12, um, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and then our text today, 1 Peter 4. So if you can just remember the numbers 4 and 12, that'll remind you of where to go in the New Testament when you're looking uh, for spiritual gifts. Uh, but my hope today, my goal, is to help every single one of us understand that each of us in the body of Christ, we have been uniquely gifted by God for His glory in order to bless others. Okay, that is the summary statement of our text today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over four main points that I hope you can remember and apply to your life. That's the goal. So with that said, let's start reading in verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, as I thought about these verses, it reminded me of an experience that I had a few years ago. Uh, Before I became a pastor here at Wayside, I was a football, basketball, and track coach. And as a coach at the public school level, um, we had to be certified in first aid in case of an emergency. And I remember I got certified on a Saturday morning. And uh, later that day, that afternoon, my wife and I got on the, high, on the highway and went driving somewhere. And we were going over uh, one of those one-lane overpasses uh, that kind of loops back around. And there's a bunch of traffic. And we were following along uh, this motorcycle who's right in front of us. And as we were going to the top of this overpass, all of a sudden we noticed this motorcycle starts to swerve a little bit. And before you know it, he just crashes right into the side of the wall, head first, and then he just lays on the ground. And uh, I remember I looked at my wife, I was like, well, go figure, I'm first aid certified. So I pulled over, um, and I jumped out of my car, and I went to his aid. And then another gal who was first aid certified, she jumped out of her car and she came over and we started going through uh, the procedures. Um, Pretty soon other people got out of their cars in order to help as well. Uh, One person called 911. um, And then these really tough looking, intimidating uh, biker type dudes came over. Okay, some some guys that you uh, would not want to mess with. And they came over to help. And we were trying to like pull up his shirt in order to start doing compressions. And uh, we we're having a hard time. And one of these biker guys, he just busts out a knife and he just cuts his shirt right open. And uh, we were like, thank you, sir. That, that, was, that was helpful. Um, but the problem was, um, you know, we realized really quick uh, that we were in a predicament uh, because this is a one lane overpass. And what do cars do typically when there's a car wreck? They just stare, Right. They stop and they stare. They don't do anything. Um, Thankfully, this guy started breathing, so we didn't need to do compressions, but he was in bad shape. He was unconscious. We needed paramedics, but the traffic was at a standstill. There's no way the ambulance was getting up. 
Uh, and so once again, praise God for these rough, intimidating-looking biker dudes because they just started screaming and cussing at any car that tried to stop. And they started yelling, what are you looking at? Keep going. And then they would say a bunch of other stuff that I can't repeat here. And I'll, and I'll tell you, it was actually really, really effective, okay? Because traffic started moving, okay, with these biker guys in control, okay? Um, and then praise God, since traffic started moving, the ambulance was able to come up. And then they, the paramedics got out and they took over and gave this man much needed assistance, and I remember I, I got back in the car uh, and I was just talking with Rach just about how bizarre that whole experience was, but also how neat it was because we had all of these different types of people coming together for the greater good with the hope of saving this one man's life. We had two biker dudes directing traffic. We had one person who used their knife to cut open his shirt Another person was calling 911. I was stabilizing his neck. Another person was keeping track of his pulse. And each of us was using our gifts in unison with the hope that it would be life-giving. And why do I tell you that? Well, because the same is supposed to be true for the church. Peter says all of us have been equipped by God with certain gifts And we are called to use those gifts in a life-giving way that would bless others and glorify God. One of our main purposes in this life is to use the gift that God has given you in order to bless others. So let's talk about that. I've got four main points. Number one is this. You've been gifted. You've been gifted. Peter says each one has received, past tense, a special gift. Peter says, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted in Christ alone for the salvation of your sins, then you have been granted a special gift in order to serve others. Notice the gift here is singular. Uh, Some commentators say that's because this refers to the Holy Spirit. Other commentators are like, no, it's a reference to how you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jason Upmore says, yes. Okay, so for those of us who've trusted in Christ... We've been granted the Holy Spirit who now resides inside of us. And what the Holy Spirit does is he equips us with certain gifts that are to be used to serve others. Uh, Paul clarifies this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I'll just read it to you. Paul says, each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul says, each of you have been gifted in a certain way, in a special way for the collective good of the people. He goes on to say a few verses later in verse 11, he says, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. He goes on to verse 12, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many are one body, so also is Christ. And so the point that Paul and Peter are trying to make here is actually really simple. They say just as the body has has different parts and all of them have certain functions, the same is true for the body of Christ, the church. We're all unified under the banner of Jesus Christ. We all have this same spirit who resides inside of us, but the spirit has not gifted us all in the same way. We have been uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit for a specific role in the church. 
And notice, not just some of us or a few of us, but all of us. Every single one of us has been gifted by the Spirit for the work of ministry. Meaning if you're sitting here right now, if you're listening at home and you're watching online, if you've trusted in Christ for the salvation of your sins, then the Holy Spirit resides in you. And he has already gifted you in a unique and special way so that you could bless others and glorify God. And you're able to do it in a way that no one else can. And so the natural question is this. Well, how do I find out how the Spirit has gifted me? Because if each one has been granted a special gift, what's mine? Well, nowadays, uh, there's all kinds of online assessments that you can take that will uh, kind of send you back a receipt that says, hey, here are your spiritual gifts. Uh, back in Peter's day, they didn't have online assessments, so nobody knew what they were gifted at. Um, and I'm, I'm joking. I'm not totally against online assessments. I think they can be a great tool. Uh, in fact, we have one here at Wayside. If you're a member, if you've never done it, you should go onto our website and you should check it out. But the main purpose of an online assessment is not to be God's voice for you, Um, It's supposed to start a conversation. It's supposed to get the ball rolling on some possible areas that you may be gifted in, which has value. So if you're interested, email us and we'll send that to you. But you can get started on your own by just asking yourself some simple questions. For example, number one, like, what do I do well? What have others affirmed in me? Uh, What do I enjoy doing? Like, what am I passionate about? And and let me clarify, when I say that, I'm not saying just because you're passionate about something, um, just because you enjoy doing something, doesn't mean there's never going to be angst, okay? I enjoy preaching. I'm glad I get to do it. I get nervous every time I preach, okay? Every single time. Um, And oftentimes, um, your spiritual gifts will be interwoven with your natural abilities and your learned skills, okay? So your natural abilities... Are, are those things that you were gifted at long before you came to know Christ. Um, and our God is sovereign over your life, so he will often use your natural abilities in order to bless others after you come to know Christ. For me personally, um, growing up, I was always good at sports. And it's been neat. After following Jesus, he has used sports in a way for me to, to bridge the gospel. Okay? And it's effective at times. For some of you, you're like, I wish you'd stop talking about sports. Um, But then there are also learned skills. And so there are skills that are built up through experience, training, and practice. Skills that are developed over time. Uh, For me personally, I'm not naturally an organized person. Okay, but through my job and by marrying my wife, I've become more organized. That's a learned skill. But then um, there are also spiritual gifts. And what I love about God is he, he wastes nothing, okay? He wastes nothing. He's sovereign over your whole life. So he'll take your natural abilities, your learned skills, and he will empower them through his spirit. He'll complete them. God doesn't waste anything. Nothing's wasted when it comes to the sovereignty of God. He uses your experiences, your skills, your strengths, even your shortcomings in order to bless others. But sometimes our spiritual gifts will be completely unrelated to our natural abilities and learn skills. Meaning, you won't know you have a certain gift until you start following Jesus. Once again, for me personally, um, 
I would have never have guessed in my wildest dreams growing up that I would grow up to be a preacher. <laughs> uh, never would have guessed that. I was not gifted at speaking growing up. I absolutely hated speech class in high school. Um, so if that's you, if you're a high school student, you hate speech class, be careful. Okay, God might call you to be a preacher. Um, but I didn't realize, okay, that I had the gift of preaching until I started following Jesus. Because when I started following Jesus, I started to pray a dangerous prayer. I said, God, I, I want to serve you. Would you use me? I'm yours. I'm yours. And as I prayed this, he began, to, he began to start giving me a desire to preach his word. And I couldn't shake that desire. I tried not to think about it. And I just kept thinking about it. That's like Holy Spirit type stuff right there. And believe me, like initially, this scared the tar out of me. I remember when I first had the desire to preach, I was like, God, never mind, forget the prayer. I was just joking. <laughs> um, but then he started giving me opportunities to preach. I didn't even have to seek him out. I mean, I'd go to God about, God, listen, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, what's going on? And I felt like God was like, I don't care. I've called you, son. And if God's called you, he's called you. Good luck running. And the same is true for you. And over time, what the church did is they started to affirm that gift. And that's how it's supposed to work. When you are gifted by the Spirit, the church will affirm those gifts. Okay, let me say this gently. If nobody is affirming the gift that you think you have by the Spirit, you might not have it. Okay? You might not have it. Because when you have a true gift of the Spirit, the church will affirm it. Which is why we need to be in church community. It's imperative. Because if you're not involved with the body, if you're not fellowshipping and serving alongside one another, you're not going to be affirmed in the gift that God has given you. So you've got to get plugged in. Or you're never going to know. But what I do know is this, God has gifted every single one of you who have trusted in Christ in a very special way. You're not here by chance. You're not here by chance. Okay, your mom and your dad's DNA uh, could have been combined into an infinite amount of ways, but God chose one particular genetic, genetic code when he chose you. Psalm 139 says this, it says, each of us are fearfully and wonderfully made, meaning God's crafting and his design of you was intentional. It was unique. There's literally nobody like you. And the reason that God was so intentional when he designed you is because there are certain works that he has called you and only you to do in this life for his glory. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. God saved you not just to forgive you of all of your sins. He did forgive you of all of your sins, but he saved you because he's got work for you to do. He's got work for you to do. There are certain things that God has planned for you specifically to do, and he's gifted you in a unique way through his spirit so that you may accomplish the works which he has already planned for you, which leads us to our next point. You've been gifted. That's number one. And number two, God wants to use you. That's the second part of verse 10. Peter says, employ the gift you've already been given and serve others as good stewards of the manifold or multifaceted grace of God. Peter says, if God gave you a gift, use it. <laughs> don't ignore it. Don't act like you don't have it. But be a good steward of your gift and employ it. If God's given you a gift in good heavens, use it. That's Peter's point. Uh, there was once a man 
who was asked of his opinion of the sport of football. And his response was, was this. Uh, he said the sport of football was definitely lacking for it consists of 22 men who are desperately in need of rest being watched by 22,000 people who are desperately in need of exercise. <laughs> and the sad reality is this when it comes to our spiritual gifts. The majority of churches are filled with spectators rather than active participants. Ed Stetzer, a renowned church planter and pastor, he had his team survey 7,000 churches in order to determine what percentage of their people were actually using their spiritual gifts. And here's what they found. What they found as they interviewed and surveyed these 7,000 churches is that the majority of people in the majority of churches are not engaged in meaningful ministry and missions. Typically, in most churches, 20% of the people are doing 100% of the ministry. That's what's normal here in America. But according to Peter, 100% of the people have been gifted for 100% of the ministry. Now, I realize there's different seasons of life. Some of you are in a season of life where you are not able to serve at a high capacity. It's just not possible. You may be sick right now. You may be going through some type of hardship. Maybe you just had a baby. There's all sorts of reasons. And you actually may be in a season where you need others to serve you. And that's okay. That's okay. But the honest truth is this. Many people are able to serve. They just don't want to. Because in order to participate in God's redemptive work, you'll have to change some priorities in your life in order to make that happen. And for a lot of people, if they're honest, they don't want to make that change. And my job as a pastor is not to entertain you from the pulpit. My job as a pastor is to plead with you to do the work that God has called you to do. To worship Christ in every arena of your life and to serve others by using the gift that God has given you. So let me beg you once again this morning, there's work to be done. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus says the harvest is ripe, it's ready. God is on the move. There's kingdom work to be done, but the workers are few. The workers are few. If you study the scriptures, you'll see that God is searching for those who are willing to trust him and employ the gift that God has given them. One of my most favorite verses in the Bible is Second Chronicles 16.9, which says this, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? The Lord is looking to and fro all over the earth. And he's saying, who is going to step up? Who's going to trust me so that I may strongly support the man or woman whose heart is completely mine? Point number one, you've been gifted. Point number two, God wants to use you. And point number three is this, he'll give you the strength. He'll give you the strength. Our God is searching for men and women who will walk with him. Those who will boldly use their gift and answer the call so that God may strongly equip and support them for the work that he's called them to do. 
I think for some of you listening right now, God is calling you to boldly use your gift in a very specific way. And he's waiting for you to cry out like the prophet Isaiah who said, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. I know some of you are are scared. Maybe, hey, what's that going to look like? What if God calls me to be a missionary? What if God calls me to go to the ends of the earth? What if God's called me to teach? What if, what if he wants me to open up my home more? I'm an introvert. <laughs> um, good heavens, what if he's called me to get involved in middle school ministry? <laughs> what if I need to transition jobs? I don't know. But may I encourage you this morning? Pray the bold prayer. Pray the bold prayer. Ask God to reveal the gifts that he's given you. Ask him to use you for his glory, no matter what that may be. Take a risk for his sake. It's worth it. Jesus told his followers, he says, I've come so that you may have joy and that you may have it abundantly. You see, there's joy to be found when you use your gifts that God has given you. And I praise God. We got so many people here at Wayside Chapel. You're using your gift and you love to serve and you are blessing the church immensely. And we thank you for that. But the reality is for some of you, those of you that are using your gift in the church for the sake of ministry to bless others, uh, the the truth is this, you're tired. You're worn out. Uh, For some of you, you're physically worn out. You're working eight to five, then you're volunteering two nights a week, then you got to come home, try to love the family, and you are just fatigued. You feel like you got nothing left to give. For others of you, you're spiritually worn out. Uh, Perhaps you've been praying very specifically and faithfully for things and people that you care about, but you're not seeing much fruit and you're worn out. You're tired. Um, Or maybe good things are happening. You're using your gift. Discipleship is happening. You're engaged in the gospel going out. But the reality is you just have compassion fatigue. You just don't know how much more you can give. And for others of you, you're emotionally tired. You're using your gifts, you're serving, but this has just been a really hard year. Uh, Your mental health is not doing so great. You're wrestling with depression, negative thoughts, feelings of inadequacy. And some of you like, Jason, I'm all three. I'm physically, spiritually, and emotionally worn out. You're spent. And if that's you... um, I want to recall to your mind a miracle that Jesus performed in the Gospels. It's one of the most popular miracle stories in the Bible. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And the gist of that story is this. Thousands of people were following Jesus. And man, these people were so broken. There were so many needs. And Jesus was teaching them all day long. And it got to a point, it was late in the day, And these thousands of people, they didn't have anything to eat. And so the disciples, reasonably, they come up to Jesus and they say, hey, these people, they're hungry. Let's send them into the village so they can get something to eat, which was a reasonable request. And Jesus responds to them and he says, nah, you feed them. You feed them. And the disciples are like, Jesus, how are we going to do that? We're tired. We got nothing left. We got nothing to give them. And it says what Jesus did is he found a boy who had some bread and some fish, and he took the bread, he took the fish, and he blessed it. And he began to multiply the bread. 
and he began to multiply the fish. And the disciples just got baskets, and all they had to do was carry the baskets to Jesus. And Jesus just kept filling those baskets, and they would go out and serve the people. They'd come back, he'd fill the basket, they'd go back and serve the people. That's all they had to do. And what Jesus did is he taught them something really important when it comes to ministry, and it's something that you and I need to realize, and it's really simple. If Jesus has called you to serve, just trust Jesus. He's going to give you all the resources you need in order to do the work that he's called you to do. If he's called you to do something, he's not going to leave you out to dry. He's going to give you everything you need in order to do it. Peter says this in verse 11. He says, whoever speaks and whoever serves should do so by the strength which God supplies. That's how ministry works. God will provide you everything you need to do the work that he's called you to do. How am I going to preach, God? How am I going to get this sermon ready? Peter says, you don't need to make anything up. Just preach the word. It's right there. Just teach it. God's already given it to you. Just hand it out. I love Chuck, Chuck Swindoll. Uh, Chuck Swindoll once said this. He says, we've got a, long, a lot of longhorn preachers out there. They give a point there and a point there. And then there's a lot of bull in between. <laughs> Peter says... Knock that off. He said, preach the word. If you're a preacher, preach. But don't just preach your opinions. Don't just share funny stories, seeking to make a name for yourself. But instead, speak as one who is speaking the very utterances of God. How am I to serve? How do I do that? Well, just live out what's in his word. It's right there. You don't got to just make something up. 2 Timothy 3.16 says the word of God equips us for every single good work. Not just some, but every. You want to learn how to serve well? Get into this book, open it up, and then obey what it says. And as you seek to use your gift according to God's word, the spirit of God will come and empower you to do the work that God has planned for you to do. Notice that back in verse 10, It says, be a good steward of the manifold grace of God, meaning the special gift, the unique gift that God has given to every single believer is attached to the grace of God. The Lord told the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in weakness. Our Lord beckons us to come to him with our weaknesses. He says, come to me with all your limitations. Humble yourself before me. And as you do so, I'll give you sufficient grace to empower you to do whatever I've called you to do. If God has gifted you in a special way, if he intends for you to use that gift, church, he's going to give you the grace necessary to exercise that gift. So trust him. Number one, you've been gifted. Number two, God wants to use you. Number three, God will give you the strength. And finally, number four, it's for his glory, not ours. Look at how Peter ends verse 11. He says, using your gift glorifies God, which means the opposite is true as well. If you're not using your gift, then you're not glorifying God the way that he deserves to be glorified. And I know pride is a terrifying thing for some of you us. There have been many Christians who have turned their ministry into a self-exalting idol. 
And when Christians use their gifts for the wrong reasons, the church suffers. But when Christians humble themselves and use their gifts for the right reasons, the church grows. Our God doesn't need us. He's not dependent upon us. Everything we have, we have because of Him. So He gets all the credit. He gets it all. And for some reason, God has graciously chosen to include us in in His redemptive work. So let's glorify Him, church, by using the gifts that He's given us. Peter can't help but end this section with an amen, so we're going to do the same thing. Number one, you've been gifted, church. Number two, God wants to use you. Number three, he'll give you the strength. And number four, it's for his glory, not ours. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we are a doubtful people, myself included. I often doubt the gifts that you've given me. I doubt that I can do much good for your kingdom because I'm a broken man. But I also cannot deny as I read your word that you have a plan for my life and for everyone who trusts in Christ. And that plan is to further your kingdom, to use the gift that you've graciously given us in order to bless others. God, would you help your people to do that? We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you joined us online, uh, thanks for joining us. Go use that gift. You're the church. Okay, God bless you.